This episode of Beyond the Bottom Line is brought to you by the Program on Entrepreneurship at the Yale School of Management, where we're educating students for business and society. Today we have with us Bridget Faramuir, who is a 2015 graduate of the Yale School of Management, who went on after graduating to be an early employee at Common, which is a co-living startup. Bridget, we would love to hear a little bit about your background pre-SOM and talk a little bit about how you made the move from SOM to an early stage startup. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jennifer. Um, So I had worked in commercial real estate before coming to the Yale School of Management. I worked at CBRE, which is the world's largest commercial real estate professional services firm. I was based out of the Chicago office and uh, knew I wanted to come to business school, didn't necessarily know that I would work in real estate again. I was really interested in startups. I knew I wanted to do something early stage. I wasn't sure if that meant a path in venture capital or a path at a startup. I just knew I wanted to be uh, at a place that was changing rapidly and growing quickly. So I came to SOM. I took full advantage of the entrepreneurial studies program here, um, did a lot of interesting coursework as well as worked on a couple ventures myself and did a few internships in, in venture capital. And actually in my fourth semester, second semester of my second year, I had the opportunity to meet Brad Hargraves on campus. Um, He is a Yale College alum who had come back to give a talk on on entrepreneurship, and this was right after he had left General Assembly and was working on his his next venture, uh, Common, which had a different name at that time. So we actually met on campus and uh, kept in touch. It uh, was probably about a month or two after that that I ended up uh, signing an offer with Common to uh, join the team in New York City, uh, which was really small at that point. So it started in June, right after graduation. So can you tell us what Common is? Yeah, absolutely. So Common is a residential property manager that specializes in the design and operation of homes specifically catered towards the needs of roommates. Uh, So we look at the residential housing market and all of the different types of demand that exist and all of the different types of supply that exist, housing inventory, and really identified that roommates were actually this huge underserved market within real estate. If you look at a city like New York, actually a third of households are groups of unrelated adult individuals living together, and yet there's no housing being built for them. And so we really identified this as uh, kind of a, a mismatch in supply and demand and perhaps a problem that we could help solve. So can you explain what your first role was and how that role has evolved since you've been there? And also within the context of you've raised now over $35 million, how has that evolved as the, as the company has grown? Sure. Um, So I'll talk first about role. I was hired to be our director of admissions, and I joked that I sounded like a headmistress of a school, uh, but our admissions function was our our sales function. And as I've told folks before, uh, being hired as the head of sales at a really early stage startup just means you're the first salesperson. So I got to cut my teeth, um, really filling our, our first buildings. And because I joined because before we had actual buildings open, spent a lot of my early time on partnerships to make sure that when we did open our first home, we had a steady stream of applicants coming to Common. Um, how has that evolved? I spent my first year in New York really focused on sales, partnerships, and marketing. And in July of 2016, about a year after I joined, actually relocated to the West Coast to help us expand our operations there. We opened our first homes in San Francisco in 
Q3 and Q4 of 2016, uh, and actually our third one just this year. So have been West Coast based for almost a year and a half now. Uh, to your question about financing, um, so we've raised two renter rounds, uh, the first one in 2015, the second in 2016. Um, I think the third financing that you are referring to is a re- recent partnership we announced with a real estate private equity group called Harriman uh, that is actually not uh, an investor in the operating company. They are a real estate investor, equity investor, Uh, that is going to deploy that capital to actually invest in common projects. So one of the interesting things that many people don't realize about common is that we don't own the buildings that we operate. We are a flag operator, much in the way that a hotel flag uh, works. So we work directly with real estate owners and, uh, and developers to manage these properties, much like a hotel flag. Uh, But we are not involved in the capital stack. And we've, you know, we've, sort of thought over the last two years, what is our role in the kind of acquisition of the real estate? It's something that we haven't dipped our toes in to date. Uh, but it is interesting that there are dedicated sources of real estate equity that are interested in getting involved in the upsides of co-living. And so we we just recently announced a partnership with Harriman. Uh, they did raise $15 million for their first fund, and we are actively working on four new properties with them, three in New York City and our first announced home in Los Angeles. So what is that mix of new units from the ground up versus working with existing property owners? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, one of the things that, that really sort of makes our model work is is dealing with entire buildings. So rather than taking a unit here and there, we do manage entire buildings. And um, those buildings need to be vacant in order for us to come in and do what we do. So the way we think about building our real estate pipeline in a given city is existing projects are a, or existing properties rather, are a great near-term solution because they can be brought online really quickly. Um, Ground-up projects have other benefits in that we get to sort of design them to spec. They are built sort of exactly how we would like them for common, but they do take a long time. So I wouldn't say there's necessarily a a preference of existing property versus ground up. They really serve two different needs for us. Um, Existing properties, like I said, are great for entry into a new market because they allow us to to bring common to market quickly. But ground up, uh, even though it takes longer, is, is where we get exactly what we want. Great. So tell me a little bit about the common experience itself. What you are essentially trying to do is build this brand around real estate and kind of residential real estate that's this international brand around residential real estate. What is that experience like and how do you make sure that that brand is extended across all of your properties in all of the different cities with all of the different personalities? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. Um, So how do we think about the common brand? You know, one thesis we've really had from the beginning is that there is a lot to be learned from the hospitality industry in residential multifamily real estate. So we look at hospitality and the uh, amount of really valuable and resonant consumer brands that exist in the hospitality space. And yet there is really nothing comparable or similar in, in residential in residential rental housing. And we think that there's a, a gap there that we hope to fill. Um, your question about what is the experience and how do we maintain 
um, consistency. So the experience is really, you know, I think that this cohort, this word co-living uh, is tricky for some people because it feels new and different and maybe people don't understand what it is. And we say all the time, we actually didn't invent living with roommates. Uh, this is something that people have been doing for a long time. They certainly continue to do. We're actually not asking the consumer to change their behavior at all. We are taking an experience that's usually kind of difficult and trying to make it a lot better. Um, so just to interject there, where are some of those pain points that you see? Why do you say it's difficult? Absolutely. Um, so I'll start by saying that a lot of our members, not all of them, but probably 70% are new to the city in which they are looking for housing. Um, what are some of the challenges? Finding a place. Uh, if you are in a roommate situation and you don't have other people that you are looking with, you are either looking for a bedroom in an existing apartment with a group of other people or you're finding a larger apartment and then trying to go fill the rooms yourself uh, with with other roommates that you go find. So there's actually there's lease risk on both sides if you're a consumer. Um, if you're moving into a bedroom, it's unclear whether or not you are going to actually be on the lease, and there's risks if you're not. On the other side, if you're taking down a lease for an entire apartment and expected to go find the other people, you're, you're absorbing any lease risk. So you do find groups of people because they have different move dates and perhaps even different budgets sort of running their own ad hoc leasing processes. So finding a place, um, furnishing it is a huge one. So who owns what? Uh, who's going to bring their couch? What do you do when the roommate who owns the TV moves out? No one wants to invest in a third of the replacement TV. That's another big one. Um, utilities, and I would say sort of household finances altogether. Um, who's going to set them up? Who's going to pay them? Same thing with rent payments. Who is going to be the apartment treasurer and collect rent money from all the other roommates and then send it to the landlord. Cleaning. Uh, cleaning is a mm -hmm. huge one. I really can't understate that. But uh, there really is this kind of sense of the tragedy of the commons in, in a shared space. And I think even the best intentioned roommate situations can kind of go sour over that. So cleanliness is one. Um, shared supplies. So things like whose turn is it to go buy toilet paper? Uh, it's my dream to have <laughs> unlimited supply of yes, toilet paper yes. restocked in my house. Um, and laundry detergent, which I also understand is a small amenity that you offer. Yeah. I mean, really the best way to think about it is all the things that you would very naturally share in a, in a home. So if you have an apartment in New York and there's three or four roommates living there, you don't need four bottles of olive oil. You just need one. Um, same thing goes with household cleaning supplies and, and stuff like that. So we take care of that as well. And um, last but not least, I mean, it's really we are giving people a platform to interact with one another. So I can talk a little bit about community and how we think about that. Um, the best communities are organic ones that are really created by the, the stakeholders. So rather than common being an event planner or um, you know, an organizer of, of social events, what we've really done is sort of, A, created the expectation that this is a great place to get to know others. It's very friendly. You know, people know their neighbors at Common. But two, given people the resources, predominantly through technology, to kind of self-organize, whether it's the impromptu brunch on Sunday or a weekend trip getaway, uh, we've been able to to deliver that to people. It's it's sort of ironic in a place like New York, which is where we're headquartered, that uh, people live in such high density, and yet there is so much loneliness. You can ride the elevator in any high rise in Manhattan, and you better not make eye contact. It's really, it's really isolating. And you know, we've sort of asked the question of how do you how do you sort of take that 
sense of neighborhood and that neighborliness of the suburbs or a cul-de-sac and infuse that into a high-rise in New York. We think it's possible. So how do you do that? I think, one, uh, people that are coming to Common are sort of looking for this, right? So there is this element of selection bias. I think people that are not looking to live with others or not looking to meet new people are, are probably not attracted to Common, and we don't pretend to be for everyone. Uh, so I think that's one. And, and two, I think this, everything that I've described in the way of conveniences, we've really been able to remove all of the challenging parts of living with others and leave all the best ones behind. I don't think anyone would contest the fact that there are huge social benefits to living with others. And if you can sort of remove, remove the challenging parts, in theory, all that's left is the good stuff. I think one other interesting thing to consider from kind of a macro perspective is the fact that there are a lot of sort of demographic shifts that lead to people living with roommates longer and later into their lives. We see people delaying marriage, delaying families, delaying home ownership, living in cities longer. Um, I think this idea of sort of getting your own place, this pinnacle of your, your life or your career, to some extent still exists. But it's interesting. We've seen people who have maybe been living alone for five years, and they end up moving into common because they, they're still living in the city, they're still renting, and this idea of getting their own place has, has perhaps worn off. So explain how you inter- integrate uh, technology into the common experience. Absolutely. Um, so it's, if you think about sort of your own life, uh, if you are a renter, um, your lease is probably one of the only things that you're still using paper for. Uh, perhaps aside from government agencies. So um, there is sort of a lot to be desired in the way of technology from the user's perspective. Uh, As a renter, there's also a lot of amazing things that can be done uh, in the way of providing better, uh, more holistic, more real-time information to to landlords as, as their property manager. So there's kind of two sides of that coin in the way that we think about technology. Um, from the consumer side, everything that is done really at Common is, is done online. So you apply online. Um, you can even take a tour online. You sign your lease online. You set up your, your bank account information online. Everything is done via ACH. Um, we have an entire customer service function that exists online. So um, technology really is kind of throughout the experience. There's also some in-home technology um, that is great. So on the consumer side, there's all of that. And then on the landlord side, um, being able to, again, deliver perhaps better financial information or better kind of property reporting because we do have all of this data is a huge value add to owners. So let's dig a little bit into the property owner side of things. How are you positioning yourself relative to other people in the industry? There are a couple of other players who are moving into this Mm -hmm. space. And what are you doing to kind of express whatever that value proposition is to property owners so that they want to work with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I really think we have in the last two years that we've been open, we just opened our 14th home. We've got about 400 beds under management. Uh, We really have honed our expertise and I would say unique expertise in both the design and operation of co-living homes. Um, There is a lot of, we have done a lot of work um, kind of on the back end to enable this really smooth consumer experience. Um, Like I said, everything from lease lease signing to payment, um, has all been has all been kind of digitally integrated 
in a way that is is really powerful um, for consumers. And and then on the on the flip side, for owners being able to to provide better data, being able to um, really give them real time insights into how their properties are performing is quite powerful. Great. So you guys are predicting that you'll have 10,000 plus members by 2020. Uh, what are you thinking about in terms of fueling this growth? Fueling in what sense? In terms, are, are you trying to increase the number of units? Are you trying mm. to increase, what is your mix now between one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom? Oh, interesting. Yes. Um, so I'll answer that in a couple ways. There's, there's really three kind of primary ways that we think about growth. Um, the first one is just more density in the existing markets that we're in. So Common is currently in four markets in New York City, in Washington, D.C., in Chicago, and in the San Francisco Bay Area in SF and Oakland. Uh, so one way to grow would be to kind of double down on those markets and bring more inventory online, which we plan to do. Uh, the next is to think about growth in other markets. And one of the interesting kind of network effects that's really powerful at Common is when members join Common and sign a 12-month lease, they are committing to 12 months at Common, but they actually have the ability and the flexibility to transfer to another Common home. Uh, we've seen this used in a couple of ways. We've seen people use this to get to explore a city. So maybe they join Common in Crown Heights and four months later decide, you know what, I'd love to try living in Williamsburg. I don't know that neighborhood at all. Uh, we've seen it used that way. We've also seen it be used for folks that have personal, professional opportunities in another market that they might not otherwise be able to pursue because the burden of trying to get out of their lease and moving all their furniture and trying to secure housing in a new city is just too great. So the second way that we think about growth is, is adding more cities to the common network. And we, we really do know that there is huge value in that for our members because it just opens up a lot more places that they can, can live or explore. Um, the third one is kind of product. So we have really... Uh, focused predominantly on on roommate housing. Uh, we think that there are other interesting applications for co-living. So we've thought a lot about what would a co-living building look like for families? Um, how could we build uh, build a building from the ground up in a way that sort of had the same values and same convenience when it comes to shared goods and services, but are targeted at a slightly different market? Um, we've also... Uh, we've, we've actually had a number of empty nesters that have joined Common, and that's a really interesting demographic as well. I think the product um, in a lot of ways is the same as what we currently offer, but thinking about how we might um, kind of grow that, grow that segment of our business. Um, if you, you know, think about my earlier comments of people staying in cities longer um, for empty nesters, their children are staying in cities longer, their grandchildren are being born in cities. Um, so thinking about kind of coming back to urban centers, I think a lot of the amenities from a retail location are actually um, are actually the same in, in both demographics, wanting great access to transit and retail and entertainment. I think it's the same. So how would you describe the common brand? Oh, the brand. That's a really good one. Um, so I think more so than anything, we have worked really hard to make Common feel like home. I think one of the challenges, whether you're moving to a new city or just staying in a city longer and, and really more people being renters, being renters later into their lives, is 
there's this feeling of sort of not being able to make it feel like home because it's impermanent and you don't want to invest in that great piece of furniture. You don't want to take the time to hang your art on the walls um, because it just feels like eh, maybe it's not worth it. And uh, we want we want people to feel like this is this is a this is a home. And this is a place that they can live for a long time. I think one of the challenges, which is kind of interesting, is that because we are fully furnished, there's sort of an assumption that fully furnished means short term. Um, and we combat that. We combat that notion a little bit, but um, we really, we take so much time and care thinking about how to evoke this sense of home. Um, pretty unique for a property manager. We actually have an in-house design team. We have designers, construction manor- managers, architects, uh, that think long and hard about the usability of the space um, and how people how people interact with it and how they interact with each other. And we've obviously, our thinking has evolved in the last two years, uh, but I'd say ab- above and beyond, uh, above all, really making it, making it feel like home and making people feel like they have a home wherever they're living. Great. So can you describe just kind of back to the earliest stages, those first six months, mm-hmm. first year. What was your life like? What were you doing on a regular basis? <laughs> what does it mean to come out of an MBA program and be one of the earliest employees at a fast-growing startup? Absolutely. Um, it's humbling. So how did I spend my early days? Uh, let's see. I started in June, and our first home wouldn't open until October. So that's actually four months. And I spent the bulk of that time working on partnerships. So I alluded to this earlier. Um even though we didn't have any product to sell yet, does not mean that there was nothing to do. There was plenty to do because I knew that when we opened that first building, we were incentivized to get it filled quickly. Um, so spent a lot of time establishing partnerships with groups in New York City that had an audience of people that were either new to town or had some sort of acute need for furnished and flexible housing. Um, so spent a lot of time on that. Once we opened our first building, I was our first salesperson. You know, I can think back to jobs I had in college. I leased apartments. It was like doing it all over again. And, uh, you know, schlepping out to, from Midtown from our office to Crown Heights, mostly nights and weekends because that's when people look for housing. So um, I did a lot of that and uh, pretty quickly started building the team because we would open our second home right around the corner just a few months after that. And then our third home that we opened in Williamsburg was quite large by comparison. It was 51 bedrooms. So um, spent a lot of time really kind of getting to know, getting to know the product, getting to know the customer. The value of that can't be understated. Uh, The other thing that I always tell MBAs is that for early stage businesses, there is so much value in actually being a generalist. Uh, You have to be a Jane of all trades. There's just no option when there's only three or four of you trying to do everything. And if you understand a little bit about marketing and a little bit about finance and enough about sales, that's really ideal. Uh, Obviously, as a company grows, specialists become, become more important. But in the early days, being able to kind of figure out challenges as they come and having this this toolkit um, in the back of your head is huge. So I know one of the things that when when you were here as a student, we talked a lot about was diversity. I also know that Brad's wife is a pretty high-powered entrepreneur herself. (laughs) Yes. So I'm curious how you think about diversity as a company and how that is important to your culture and how that manifests itself. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say first and foremost, 
um, our customers are diverse. And if we're really going to understand um, all of the kind of elements of customer demand, we would be really remiss to not have that reflected in our own team. Uh, and one of the things I think is the most interesting about Common and proudest of, in fact, is that our membership is so diverse uh, across so many um across so many kind of metrics. So if you think about actually some fun facts, so the average common member is 30 years old, which is actually mm. older than people it assume. It's older than I would assume. Yeah, yeah it does. Uh, but I think that does speak to the fact that people are living in cities longer. Um, so our average member is 30, but there are dangling modifiers on both ends. It's really such a wide range. 30% um, of our members come from other countries. Our common team probably is about 30% international as well. Um, so when we think about what does diversity mean as a company, it would it would be so silly and short-sighted to not really seek that out because that's who we're serving. Um, I think one of the other interesting things about being kind of diversity in background, um, about being a full-stack property management company is that you know, a typical startup, you maybe have like a founder, a salesperson, and a dozen engineers. Uh, we don't look like that at all. We have we have maintenance techs, we have cleaners, we have people that come from traditional real estate brokers and um, real estate finance. We have designers, architects, salespeople, customer support. We, we really have everything. Um, and that has made for a really rich environment as well because people just have such fascinatingly different backgrounds. And a lot don't come from startups. Awesome. Uh, last and perhaps the toughest question, <laughs> which is your favorite common property and why? Ooh, oh, that's such a tough one. Oh, favorite common property and why? Um, so I'll talk about our largest uh, because I think it's the most interesting for us in the long term. Um, so it's a home called Baltic. It's in Borham Hill. It's a ground-up development with a developer called Adam America, which is the largest um, apartment developer in Brooklyn, actually. And the reason why I'm choosing this property is because it marked um, kind of the first time we tried something pretty different, and it worked. And it has super interesting implications for us long-term as we grow our business. So all of our homes up until then, and actually since then, were 100% co-living. Um, there were obviously variations home to home. A lot of our homes are existing. Some are ground up. So uh, similar to hotels, they have kind of a look and feel that is consistent, but they're not kind of cookie cutter and all identical. Um, Baltic is different because it is a hybrid of furnished co-living, the way Common does it everywhere else, and unfurnished traditional apartments, studios, ones, and twos. And we really had this question of, we knew we, we, knew we had the infrastructure to manage a traditional building, but we thought, you know, what is kind of, what is the power of the brand in a building that's not 100% co-living? Are there people that are attracted to Common that actually don't want to co-live? And the answer was yes. And I think that was really interesting for us because, you know, as I spoke about earlier, this idea of not making eye contact in the elevator in a traditional high-rise in New York City, Baltic's really different. People know their neighbors. And it challenged our assumption that, you know, you need to share a kitchen to know your neighbors. You don't. Um, so it's as almost we, like you're creating the cul-de-sac in the city. I mean, it's something we think about. And... 
there are plenty of people that I think are looking for that. Um, it also, I think, can serve kind of more people in more life stages. We actually had some members that had had been living and co-living, and I'd say about 10% of our members are couples, which is another surprise to people. Um, but we had some that were living and co-living that had just re- recently gotten engaged and said, we love Common, uh, we love living here, but we think we're ready for our own space, and Baltic provided kind of this beautiful next step. Um, so I think... I would say that's my favorite because of the because of the implications that it has for us in our business long term. Excellent. Well, Bridget, thank you so much for coming back to the School of Management and for talking to us. As always, so great to see you and to hear what's going on. And um, we look forward to watching Commons continued success into the future. Thank, thank you, you so much for having me, Jennifer.